recording live from the Seahawks podcast that got picked up for two more seasons and then immediately canceled. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast. All right, we got the full Fisher, guys. Yeah, you uh, you really came in hard on Jeff Fisher, which, you know, really bad move. That's so sad. Is that, was that a payoff? Is that, is that what happened there? That was some four and nine bullshit. That's what that was. It's, it's, I think it was a payoff. They were like, hey, we're going to give you like five or ten million dollars to just never come around again. The thing that truly really sucks is they stopped him from setting an NFL record. Yeah. He needed one more loss. And there's if that guy gets another job in the NFL, that owner should be shot immediately. Wait, what, what's the record? Uh, most most losses, losses by a coach. He's going to pass Dan Reeves. Oh. What if What if whoever hires him, though, fires him immediately after he gets one more loss? That so, would be uh, pretty sweet. So the 2010 Jim Mora Seattle Seahawks, there it could know. happen. Welcome to the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. With me is, as always, producer Nathan Sano. What up, dog? Kevin Garber, the man who cuts the perfect slice of cake. <laughs> and, wanted to have you ruined And uh, don't forget, everyone... The birthday boy, Kevin Garber. Also joining us. Not when the podcast comes out. Executive. Yeah, I mean, he'll be the past his birthday boy. That's right. <laughs> matured. A matured Kevin. Ma- matured. You'll be like uh you'll be like the uh, New Year's baby. You'll just have a have a be have like pants. Tom Hanks and you'll, big. You'll no longer be a Ute. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, 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 up until a month ago up until a month ago, we were two Utes. Not me, I'm an old man. Speaking of old men. We have executive for the f- second time this season, but really that was so long ago, he doesn't even remember. Actually, that was technically preseason. For was the it? first time <laughs> this season, ladies and gentlemen, executive producer Brad Hancock. Hey, how's it going? How's it feel rolling in all that dough all the time? Um, It's okay. I have nothing to spend it on. And this is, we have a surprise gift for Brett. We're going to have him react to this live on the podcast. Here we go. Yeah, the baller stickers. Okay, we go. gave Brett Hancock a sticker that says from the Seahawks Nest. Hey, or hey, the Seahawks Nest. I don't even know what it Sanders, says. You're out on the back of the car. The Seahawks <laughs> Nest is in. So, let me. Uh, are dead. Uh, I would like you to do one thing right now, Brett. Yeah. No, I'm trying to say this to you quietly so Nathan doesn't hear me. Ask Nathan for another sticker. Just do it. Can I have another sticker? Depends for what they cost a quarter each, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh that reaction. Give away trade secrets, man. That reaction was not as good as the one I got, which was no, no. What are you gonna do with it? No. That was that's literally that was what he good. said. Yeah, that was a good Nathan. What, what are you gonna do? I don't know. I want to give it to people. No, you gotta pay for him. That's <laughs> no, no. Remember who, 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 who are you gonna give it to? Are they gonna put it somewhere other people will see it? Yeah, he uh, he he turned it a cup from orgasmo, oh. which is a deep pull. But I'm going there. That was a good one. Uh, really, I'm going to do anything I can to avoid talking about this Green Bay game. Can we call them like the Naughty Twins or something? <laughs> well, that is pretty naughty. Uh, we're going to edit that joke as much as we can. No, we're we're leaving it in. But I want to talk about this game because I think that this game is an important like signifier for what our team is like when we play on the road without Earl Thomas. And so I kind of think it's a good idea to address oh, there's plenty some of issues we might have if we have to go on the road and play in a tough-to-play-in stadium in the playoffs. Well, right. You want to break down the game? Real quick, I want to ask this question, just piggybacking on Nate's point, and I do want to break down this game, Kevin. But first, even though we lost to Green Bay on the road, even we lost to Tampa Bay on the road, is there any team in the NFC that you think is definitely going to roll us when we have to travel to their stadium. Well, I mean, Green, Green Bay. We're not going to travel to Green Bay. It's a good thing. Green Bay's not going to have. You think Green Bay would just roll us again? 
I don't know. I feel like the game would be tough. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has really turned the corner in terms of how he's playing. And without Earl Thomas, he kind of picked us apart. So I would be, I would not want to have that matchup again, to say the least. Okay. Brett? I mean, Dallas would be potentially a problem, but being on the road, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, it's pass rush. If it's a team with a good pass rush and we're on the road, that's where I worry about us. Dallas, Dallas's offense doesn't scare me. Like they should, but because they have a, you know, they play into the teeth of our defense. I'm just like not that, not as worried about it as maybe I should be. Okay, uh, let's begin with breaking down the game now. Uh, do we have a 600 point list on why we're better than the Packers, or are you just going to go into the facts of the game? Let me give you just a quick tale of the tape because I okay. think it's really telling. So, uh, total yards, 354 for Seattle, 330 for Green Bay. Wait, wait. First downs, 22 for Seattle, 18 for Green Bay. This is the third down conversions, six for 12 for Seattle, four for 11 for Green Bay. Everything you're telling me leads me to believe that this game ended on a field goal. Time of possession, 31 minutes and 50 seconds for Seattle. 28 minutes, 10 seconds for Green Bay. Kevin is obviously doing the medium turnovers of the last four wins. Six Seattle, (laughs) zero Green Bay. Boom. I wonder where this game went wrong. The thing is, every single week, Thursday of practice is dedicated to one thing. It's turnover Thursday. Okay. And it's like the, you know, the seizing the days thing is a big part of the like Seahawks culture that Pete Carroll has built for our team. And so when you come in and you say turnover Thursday, and then you you go out and you lose a game because you had six interceptions. And admittedly, some of those interceptions were very. There's fluid. five interceptions of fumble. Be fair. Okay, but okay, but, <laughs> but three of those interceptions were very fluky. Oh and my one, Another one was pretty oh. fluky. Like only one of them was like a really horrifically bad throw. And so, but you can what you can do is you can get in the film room and you can say to the guys, "Look, this is why we do this every week. Every week we focus on turnovers on Thursday because once you start turning the ball over, the snowball starts rolling downhill and it gets bigger and bigger and you can't stop it unless you either create a turnover or stop turning the ball over. Yeah, and that was the difference. This game would have been two teams scoring somewhere in the 20s in a really close game, like most of us really predicted, except five interceptions of the fumble. Yeah. You and cannot lose the ball six times. Like Nathan said, there was the really bad interception. Then there were doinks off the hands and face masks and one James Graham, who realized he's Jimmy Graham in this situation. Jimmy Graham falling down before the pass can get to him. Little Jimmy. Little Jimmy. Little How, come on, <laughs> little Jimmy. I'm surprised that this game hasn't happened yet, right? It's been five years. You yeah. think at some point we would have had a, you know, we would have had a like, well, we just, we just kind of suck today. It hasn't happened, but... Well, and it's the Tampa Bay game. It was one of those... Before we recorded, I was like, Kevin, was this the... Let's let's break down the stats. Was this the worst Russell Wilson game? And he's like, no, no, I don't I don't want to go into that. I don't think so. But this this was the worst Russell Wilson game. Even if it wasn't all his fault, even if it was, yeah. I just... It's, it's on Russell. Brett, are you really going to say the one that hit Doug Baldwin and bounced up off his chest was his fault? No, no, no. That's was, Russ's? No, no, no. Or I how was, about Jimmy Graham falling? That was Russ, too? I was going to make a positive comment about the fact that if if Russell's worst game is two interceptions that were on aggressive throws that might have gone either way, kind of not good, but, I mean, I'll take that. And the other three were just kind of, I don't know. 
What about the one where Curse was obviously being pass interfered with, tried to reach around the guy, <laughs> then hit the ball, and the ball bounced up to a defender? Okay, so the first quarter of the game, I was like, this is such one-sided refing," And then the rest of the game just proved, no, it was really incompetent refing, And so I didn't complain about it after that. I'm like, no, these refs are just terrible you at know, their job. Both sides of the ball. That's how it went. It was bad. There were bad calls everywhere against everyone all the time. It was just bad. More concerning Always than the bad. interceptions were the, uh, were the misses, though. I mean, we can just count those as those overthrows in there the first over- quarter. Yeah, yeah. they're two big overthrows. There uh, were multiple. There are three. There are three on the first two that drive. I can think of that were. That but the Graham one and the Lockett one. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the Vikings playoff game last year when it was similarly Arctic, and uh, he was he was underthrowing everyone. So maybe he was like, oh, okay, well now I just gotta you know amp it up. And, well, this I think there's some truth to that. This theory. is a perfect lead in to my. I don't want to say a hot take. We'll call it a cool take because I am cool and it has to do with cooler I you, temperatures. Eric. I know. I, I got to bring in the puns because I know you love them so much. Honestly, is Russell Wilson the same quarterback when he is chilly? You like how I changed that around and made it sound less professional? I mean, I think it's a valid question. He's not a, he's not, you know, a former LSU quarterback and number one overall pick of the Oakland Raiders. Achilles Smith? A virgin? Uh, no. Oh, I'm talking about the man who cannot play in cold weather. <laughs> who? I'm 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 stumped. Jeff Hostetler. My man. Terrell Pryor. Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus. Well, Could he play in warm uh, or was temperate gonna, weather? Off, uh, backup offensive tackle for the Seahawks. Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell on Mars may be a decent quarterback, but we'll never know because I don't think he could play on any Earth temperature. Nailed his pro day though, according to multiple <laughs> scouts. He got worried about. He he taught us all the valuable lesson of listening to the Sparks. Nathan, what do you think about Russell Wilson in uh, cold weather? All right. Well, okay. I have a stat split for you. Okay, that I'm gonna I want to compare these two quarterbacks. Okay, one quarterback has a 59% completions percentage, averages six yards per attempt, has one touchdown and seven interceptions on the season for a 58.5 rating. The other quarterback has a 67.2% completion percentage, an 8.4 yards per uh, per attempt average, 12 touchdowns and three interceptions for a 102.3 rating. Can you give me the okay. number of times each quarterback was sacked? Uh, uh, the 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 good one was sacked twenty times and the bad one was sacked twelve times. Well, Brock Osweiler sacked less. That makes sense. Let's just let's just say quarterback one. That's that's Russell Wilson on grass, and quarterback two. That's Russell Wilson on turf Ooh. or on cable. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, Russell Wilson on turf is a is is not is a much 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 better quarterback right now. The thing it's the it's the most telling split indoor outdoors doesn't tell the. A great story. I have 64.5% completion percentage out versus 64.8 in. Uh, but the big one for me is grass and turf. He plays terrible on grass. And the whole team played terrible on grass. And you saw it. I and mean, I think in the first quarter, I made the comment, the equipment managers need to go in and change everyone's cleats. Yes. Because people were falling all over the place. And it's the kind of thing that you need to be ready for as an organization. You can't, it's an organizational failure if they go in there. And guys are just falling all over the place because their equipment is not very good, or they they didn't, or they couldn't convince them to wear the better the the you know metal cleats or whatever, you know whatever reasoning it is. You, you need to go in there and be ready to play on a horrifically bad playing surface because that's what it was. It was a bad playing surface, but you know what? Green Bay was prepared to play on it, and it seemed like we weren't. Yeah, Green Bay practices because that's their field. They practice in the dirt, in Using the sod. Using the home field advantage there all the time. That's uh, I don't. Is anyone else like going to break that down? It's like that episode of the King of the Hill where they manicure the grass for every game, you know? Uh, that's, um, I don't know, that's some, that's some nice breakdown right there. I enjoyed that. 
Thank you, Nathan. You guys are good. No, I think that really says it. I mean, I like he said you guys because it was clearly all all three of us. Well, because otherwise, if you look at you watched, I'm going to ignore your comment. (laughs) Because otherwise, if you look at it, you know, Thomas Rawls was 12 for 67. You know, we had a total of 19 runs between Rawls and Collins, which Collins was actually a functional third down back. He worked his way out of the doghouse. He had 3.3 yards per carry, but he had three catches for 33 yards, and he actually looked functional. And he threw a couple of nice shoulders in there on edge rushers. I thought that he looked competent in that role. Um, That was nice to see. He's going to have to be because I don't know if Tremaine Pope is like this great guy, but Tremaine Pope is gone for the season. And we got rid of uh, George Farmer. Maybe George isn't his first name, but we got rid of Farmer. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Collins. Yeah, but my point is, Collins has to be that man now. Well, we signed a guy. Uh, from, we signed a guy too. We signed Marcel Reese, and we also signed. Who did we sign? Damn it, Brett! It come on, Harris. Brett Hancock. <laughs> I speaking of though, I like Marcel Reese. Yeah. You know, it's not often you can yeah. pick up a multi-time Pro Bowl or mid-season off the waiver wire. And Reese is a very functioning fullback, and he offers some of those third-down abilities. He's a good pass catcher. He can run a little bit. He was a really good pickup for this team. If uh, I always bring this back kind of as a joke to fantasy football because we all know that fantasy football stats do not reflect real-life football Blake Greatness. mom is crying somewhere. <laughs> That's right. But, but Marce, Marcel Reese is a guy who will like, oh, wow, Marcel Reese, you know, put like 80 yards up together today. You you, got, you give the guy 15 carries and he put over 100 yards. He, he got some touchdowns. He's not just like a specialty guy. He can be a lot of things. And uh, being a fullback, well, Tukuafu, who really is kind of a fullback for us. He'll he's, be back. He's, he's full and he's back there. Yeah, he well, not, he's not back there anymore. He is also on IR. Yes. So, do you think they see Marcel Reese as a temporary older, uh, infinitely more broken down CJ process? No, I think they see him as a potential uh, Rob 2.0. I think they see him as someone who was probably misused in the previous places he was. I mean, Oakland. They they see put more potential in him as someone who can split out wide or play running back or block or lead block. Do a bunch of different things as opposed to just a guy who gets one forty-yard catch every eight weeks, like he did for Oakland. Yeah, he's got some real rob in him. I think that's not a bad comparison to make. In that he's flexible. I agree. Um, he's a wide receiver. He played uh, in college. He played, uh, and unlike George Farmer, he can actually catch the ball <laughs> after having been a wide receiver in college. Sorry, one one last departing shot there. It's. Can I talk shit about Bradley Sal? That's where I need to be right now. Oh, I, was, I was just going to ask if we can talk shit about Jermaine Curse's uh, official death of a season. Let's, oh, man. After the, after the you know, really, game, so. at this did point, you, did go, you like go that, uh, We can flip a coin. Did you like that one catch on six targets? That wasn't good for you? Was that the Packers game or the month before combined? Oh, no, it's been worse. Okay. Great. Yeah, like he would only get six targets in a Darrow Bevel offense in a month. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, be they, realistic. Hey, they threw a screen pass to not Jermaine Curse on Sunday. That was cool. I'll say, yeah, they've been doing that more and more since like week four, which I'm really proud of <laughs> Daryl Bevel for That's that. That's sad. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I'll take some Seahawks fans to task here because I've heard this in bars. I've heard it from uh, friends that are, I'm like, oh, you watch Seahawks games? I watch Seahawks games with them. And they'll say something like, I'll be like, yeah, Jermaine Curse is a... Is an effing plague. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what does he do right? Like, you know, sometimes when you throw it up to him, he, he catches those big miraculous catches. Like, yeah, but leading up to that mirac- miraculous catch, the guy's been garbage, and I'm not a Jermaine Curse fan. 
Ever. You know what he is? He's that wide receiver who gets a late jump. Or he's that cornerback or center fielder in baseball that gets a late jump off the ball. Yep. <laughs> and so every catch and play he makes looks like the most impressive thing ever, but it's only because he was three steps late getting to the ball and had to sell out to catch it. So he's like that center fielder for the Angels. Nathan, who am I thinking You're of? You're not talking about Jim Edmonds because he was actually good. Okay. Quiet. Jim Edmonds had a Jim lot Edmonds of great catches, lot. but like a little too many in my opinion. <laughs> like when you have more catches than Willie Mays, but you're not Willie Mays, makes me say like, eh. He definitely was getting the most out of his ability, but okay. it was more because he didn't have great foot speed, but okay. he had a good jump. All right. I mean, yeah, the, both tackles are horrible. Though, like to get back to the point, Sal yes. allowed seven pressures, one sack, and three hits. Fant allowed three pressures, and like that blindside sack where Russell Wilson got absolutely destroyed. He got like they they, they uh, you know took his soul like Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat. You know, it's like <laughs> there was nothing. There was just a shell of Russell Wilson left. Uh, he Doug looked Ball, like Carson Doug Wentz Ball. on the other thing too. Doug Baldwin didn't do anything in this game. Doug Baldwin was basically invisible, and I don't know if that was coverage or if it was. Uh, you know, just they they decided like, hey, let's let let's let Jermaine Curse and uh, Tyler Lockett try to beat us, and I think that that's okay for them because their safeties are so good, they could probably get away with trying to let Tyler Lockett beat them because he can't burn out uh, the, the really really good safeties of Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay actually has safeties fast enough they can catch uh, Lockett, and that's not something every team could say. I mean, Baldwin's day looks different if Russell doesn't have to throw that throw before the half. So, I mean, not to. You know. That's fair. Uh, going back to Sal, I you you guys can pour over the data of the stats, but I will just say when I see a guy who gives up multiple times, like he, and when I say give up, I mean he lets the guy buy him. I mean he tries, you know, he's trying to, he's doing his job, he's trying to do his job, and the the end gets around him. But we have a, a scrambling quarterback who can also get away from the defensive end, and then Sal sits there and watches Russell scramble. That bugs the hell out of me. Like, when he came back around, get ready to block. You seriously just let him run by you again, but this time you didn't try and block him. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who does not perpetrate the swear jar. Fuck you, Saul. Knock it off. You're not doing your damn job. Swear jar. Sorry. He is the exact opposite of Jermaine Effetti. Jermaine Effetti blocks until the whistle, and then two teammates come over and drag him off, and then he's trying to block them as they drag him off. Saul, you know, as friend of the podcast Todd would say, that man's got a lot of quit in him. Yeah, and it's <laughs> when he when we thought his <laughs> welcome back, Brett. Uh, uh, no, when we Jimmy Fallon of Seahawks, he he has more quit in him than Russell Okung. Well, the, he has taught me the meaning of quit. The game when Sal, it's like the opposite of a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's really taught me the meaning of give uh, up. It's a July Fourth movie. <laughs> uh, it's a July Fourth peanut special. Uh, no, remember when Sal was carted off in it's a like, Columbus Day movie from the natives' uh, perspective, week six or something? Remember when? Yeah, that was bad. That was dark. Uh, when Bradley Sal, when he went down, he was carted off, and we were like, "Oh man, that guy's season is over," and he was crying. And I was like, "Man, this guy really cares." And we talked. Then about he came it. back, and that's what I looked like. When I think Nathan even <laughs> said, "Like this was a guy who really wants to be out there," and in the last two weeks at least, he has not played like a guy who wants to be out there, and I'm. I, like with Justin Britt, it was a guy who never gave up, but was really bad. They found a place for him on the offensive line. And Sal, we can't put two guys at center, and I don't know if you'd be there, be good there anyway. Sal, uh, the, and the, uh, the thing is, I think he got pushed out to the right, and he realized that, 
hey, this guy who hasn't played football for since middle school is more highly valued by this franchise than I am. And so he's uh, I think it just demoralized him. Like his basically, so. he mentally broke from that. And uh, I mean, this team's built on competition, so I don't see how on competition Wednesday Gary Gilliam can't beat out uh, this broken shell of a NFL football player. So if, if I mean, if he can't, then I think it says a lot about where our offensive line is at. Um, if Odiambo or Gilliam cannot beat out Sowell to play at right tackle, yeah. At this point, I wouldn't be a. I don't think it's a bad idea to throw Odiambo in there. At least he showed he like could do a few things when they threw him in there. Uh, when Fant went down, they needed another guy. And I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna suck at tackle, at least be trying to develop young talent. Yes, you know, it's not like you have to get more terrible. At it's this not point. a waste. It's not, we're going from a uh, if you're going from a four to a three. I mean, if the three is twenty four and the four is thirty, I mean, obviously we should be going with the three because the three could be a five next year. You know, mm-hmm. F- five is more than four. I don't know if you guys know this. Facts. <laughs> five. Out of, I'd rather have a five out of ten left ta- or right tackle than the one out of ten we got from Sal. Or That's actually, why you teach math. The Pro Football Focus rating gave him a forty, so I guess that would be a four out of ten, um, which is pretty bad, though. Do you get do you get a thirty for just showing up, though? Uh, no, someone got a thirty three. Was the lowest score last week, I think. Uh, scores below thirty are are. I mean, I, there's, there's they're Browns level. I mean, that I'm it's, sure that, it's only Nelson Aguilar. To, to, to be honest, I bet you that some of our offensive linemen have put up sub thirty performances during this season. They just weren't. They just aren't common. They censor them out. They're lewd. Um, <laughs> they're just blurred. Anyway, anything yeah. else for this game? Uh, well, their secondary played really good. Morgan Burnett, Demarius Randall. Like I thought that. Uh, Ha ha, Clinton Diggs. Like the, all, all those, all these guys that they have, they all looked good. Yeah, and they're a little healthier, and that made a big difference. Um, I mean, since week seven, Rodgers has been the best quarterback in football according to a lot of metrics, and I think he really kind of showed in this game that. Well, he, and aside from the one long pass to Adams, back. he basically just sat and picked the defense apart. Yeah, he did. Dink and dunk, picked played, them apart. Played smart. Uh, the, their offense is so vanilla. Sometimes it really bore, bores me to death. Um, I mean, Mike McCarthy could do better at that, but I, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Like he's just in a phenomenal player. Uh, my question on that Adams touchdown: Richard Sherman took the inside zone. Jeremy Lane had to run around Sherman to take the outside zone, making Devonte Adams grab that awesome touchdown that he had. What the hell? What happened? Well, also, also, it was like the only bad play, really, really bad play I saw from Terrell the whole game, which is that, yep. like they they tried to be like Terrell, you could be Richard Sher- or you could be Earl Thomas. Just go out there. We're gonna have you like cover one in the middle of the field, read the quarterback's eyes. And, I mean, it's not like Aaron Rodgers did a lot of stuff there to, like, give him – like, to make him drift as far away from the play as he did. But he was so far up and so far in the middle of the field that he was sucked completely out of the play. He was way, way, way behind it. The play was over it, over the top of him by quite a bit. So, I mean, that was like – but I thought Terrell overall had a pretty good game. Yeah, that was his one huge flaw. I mean, he made a, he made a mistake on the first play of the game, and then he tightened it up after that. Which is what he did last week, too. When he gave up that long pass again, I mean, I thought, I thought a lot, I thought several of our defense players played good, except for we did not create enough pressure or any pressure. Uh, that was the scheme. If you look, there was a lot of coverage. I did. I don't. Like and there was a lot of holding. I do not my like. Brain screen. I do not like that at all. Um, but I mean, Tony McDaniel had six six rushing stops. Like we did a good job against the run. Yeah. Um, they they were not able to run the ball at all, and I think under normal circumstances where we don't turn the ball over and give them awesome field position all game, that. They, we easily could have hung in there with how good our run defense was playing. Yes, 
and you know said like, "Hey, we're gonna try to hang with Aaron Rodgers." And hanging with Aaron Rodgers when he's on, like he was in that game, that's tough. That's tough stuff. So. In Lambo, yeah. Yeah. yeah, win with five um, turnovers. It's I, not gonna happen. Yeah, we're we're toxic differential away. Yep, but our toxic <laughs> differential is terrible in this game. You know, seven to zero basically. Yep. So say lovey, such is life. Yeah, I I guess uh, going back to the pressure, and we can kind of end on on this, so we don't you know belabor this, but. Last week against Carolina, we didn't get any sacks, but I thought we put pressure on Cam Newton. You know, we, we gave we gave Cam Newton a bad day, even though we didn't sack him. Yeah. In Tampa Bay, we did not get pressure on the quarterback. There was a time where, you know, Cliff Averill was building the houses left and right. And now Cliff Averill needs to go to Lowe's. He needs to do something. He's not building houses. <clears throat> I'm not putting this all on Cliff Averill, by the way. Michael Bennett is back. I don't think he's 100% healthy. Maybe we're saving him for the playoffs. Uh pressure on the quarterback it's it's really important to this defense it's important in everyone's defense and we're just not getting to the quarterback at all we're still 13th in adjusted sack rate the pressure is there to a large extent um i think holds really limited pressure but i think another thing that's happened is our pass rush has become extremely vanilla you're not seeing much in the way of blitzes you're barely seeing stunts what do you think think, that is uh i think bennett going out had something to do with that and then I think Bennett coming back had something to do with that. I think there's a little bit of a false sense of security of, oh, you know, Santa's back. You know, he'll deliver them sacks full of uh, sacks. <laughs> but they're not really scheming through it. And I think this iteration of the Seahawks defense needs to scheme a little bit. I think we were protecting Terrell. I think we were focusing on coverage, knowing the way that the run game works. And I don't think that there was a lot of creativity or manufacturing of pressure. And I think that's what you're seeing. Uh, it's It goes without saying, I, I hope that this was a wake-up game because the offense sucked, the defense sucked, parts of the offense and defense sucked, and the special teams. John Ryan had a bad punt. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it's a bad. His team MVP candidacy is uh, in question now. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully, honestly, I, I mean this. I hope that this was a gut check, a gut check game for us because Russell Wilson doubled his interception total. On yeah, that. it was bad. I mean, just the nightmare game, the nightmare game that we don't want against a good team. I mean, have this game against the Rams, but don't have it now that we're playing the Rams. I mean, this ended the streak. Games in which Russell Wilson's down by ten points or less in the fourth quarter. I mean, like that was like the last remaining thing. You know, he has that had never happened, and that's it. the The dream is dead. And is it because he's not a virgin anymore? Long was the dream? No, well, he was never was. He was married. I don't believe it. That's the hottest take ever. That's I know. That's why I said it. That um, was a joke. It also ended likely ended our DVOA champion streak. We are now in. Very tenth uh, in DVOA, sixth in defensive DVOA. Yeah, and we were minus forty, which is the first time we've done that in the Pete Carroll era, which is surprising. Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, the Russell Wilson uh, era. So. We're gonna have to do it like we did against Arizona when we had that like two straight fifty something to basically nothing games. Yeah, Buffalo, Arizona, and I believe San Fran. Yeah, it's, we're gonna have to have another run like that if well, we were ever gonna make this happen. Which. Good news, gentlemen. <laughs> this Thursday, we have the St. Louis Rams starting the trifecta to end the season. Rams, 49ers, Cardinals. For all of our Maybe new, in that order. For all of our newish listeners, this is the first time in Seahawks Nest podcast history, any iteration, that the Rams have a new head coach. Ooh, that is... Yeah. This is glorious. We, we survived. <laughs> we outlived Jeff Fisher, the well, conference uh, of NFL head coaches. Don't... Uh, don't 
don't hold your breath, Brett, because we have to go up against, I think, Jim Fossil's son. Yep. And Wait, he, that, that's not Jim Fossil? No. No. Is no. his name Jim Fossil? No. I think it's John Fossil. Yes. Is it James Fossil? It's John Fossil. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and he's okay, the new coach. Yeah, and I'm sure he's going to do great. With three days to prepare and the Rams' <laughs> offensive roster. <laughs> yeah, whatever will he do having to overcome Jeff Fisher's game planning? I mean, it's just yeah, they're going to be bad. There's that it's, scene, it's almost like it's a team devoid of talent or scheme. There's that scene in The Waterboy where it shows uh, Henry Winkler as coach, and he's talking on the phone, and the phone isn't plugged in, and he's wearing heels. He's got a, he's got the coaching offense for dummies. Yeah, right? that's I'm yes. pretty sure that is what Jim Fossil's doing right now, or this week. So here's my baseline stats: uh, Seattle eight four and one overall, six and zero at home, two four and one on the road. So Seattle's good at home. L.A. has lost eight of their last nine. At one point, they're in playoff contention. They went from three and one to four and That's nine. right. They were three and one. Yeah, that happened. Yikes. They just lost 42 to 14 to Atlanta, and that might not be the worst loss of their season. Don't forget that. I mean, that 14 points was garbage 14 points. Yeah, it was some Bortles stuff. Yeah. How do we continuously lose at least one game a year to this group? That was Madden. not to this group. That was to a very good pass rush coached by the mighty Jeff Fisher. Yeah, they the lost that Jeff Fisher magic. The Jeff Fisher, Fisher dragon has been slain. <laughs> hey, the Rams have the number one ranked special teams in the league. Watch out. And all, we all seriousness, Super Bowl. I'm, this yeah, is not a true. joke. Like They've already beat us, so we're, I think we're due. They did beat us twice last year. I'm... What about gimmick plays? Can Jim Fossil dial up a gimmick play in three days? He's been a special teams coach, so he's been the one <sighs> dialing those up. This is this is scary. Not as scary as the uniforms we're wearing. I'll get into that. Might get some left-footed kicker action. Uh, is Kevin, what do you what do you see out of the offense in this game from the Rams? I, I will talk from the Rams. Yeah. I see an overpriced number one wide receiver who's a kick returner. Um, I see a running back being run into the ground. I see no offensive line. I see a rookie quarterback that has not been coached up in any way, shape, or form. I mean, have you watched them play this year? This, this offense yeah. is terrible. I mean, they're 29th in overall DV- DVOA. They're the 32nd ranked offensive team. They're 32nd in the pass. But that's okay. They can be bolstered up by their 30th ranked running run game. Oh my gosh! This is like two whole spots when the Clippers were basically not considered an NBA team. That's what this LA team is like. As far as like the offensive side of this team is, you almost have to be trying to be this bad. Like part of me wonders if the woman who owned the Indians in the Major League movies (laughs) bought this team and is trying to move them to Miami. Who's Todd? Who's Todd? San Francisco though, and Stan Kroenke is a terrible owner. By the way, anyone, yes. As a fan of us, as a big time fan of a of a team that is owned by him, uh, he is the worst owner. He owns, he owns Arsenal. I was going to say he owns. He's the us. majority owner of Arsenal. Yeah. Wow. So uh, the is Nate, is Nate actually a Rams fan? No, closet Rams fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, only uh, the only the jet, only the Brooks era. So the I just think that it's really hard for me to. Uh, to just how the, the reason is every team in the NFL is flawed this year, and so the Rams have got to four wins, and they'll probably get to like five. I mean, they might even get to five or six, and it's just stupid. Like it's, but it shows that there is a big time parity in the NFL this year where there is not a truly dominant great team. And I mean, I, I I think there's a clear like top two, 
but those top two, if they had to play the best teams from the last couple of years, would get smoked. Oh yeah. Like I don't think New England and Dallas are that much better. Are very, are very good compared to like their contemporary counterparts. I mean, Atlanta's only like two percent behind uh, second in DVOA. Like, yep. I don't really think Atlanta has anything to write home about. Atlanta's fine. Their offense is awesome, and their defense is not good. Like that's the thing. Like just every team has significant flaws. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I don't know. The Rams could totally come out and beat beat us this week, and I wouldn't like go crazy about it. I would, would suspect that I would tell the truth Monday was uh, was a real come to Jesus moment for these Seahawks, and that they are going to come out and play super hot. Like they're going to come out on fire and put up like 28 unanswered points in the first half, real quick, just to make a statement. Well, we are home. We're up against a really bad team who, with Jeff Fisher, would be a really bad team in a revenge game against a team that has no coach. Yeah, there's blood in the water. It's it's ridiculous. If I wonder why would the Rams fire Jeff Fisher now? Kevin, you and I talked about this on the way over, laughing all the way, by the way. But <laughs> what they <laughs> paid you. they paid him off, man. They gave him the two year extension. It was like a payoff. Like they probably made some put something in his contract about coaching in LA in the previous contract and then they needed to like do something to get out of that whatever they had promised before. So they're like, here's a two-year extension. We're going to fire you next week, but you're going to get a lot more money. Jeff Fisher, when... Please go away. They announced, <laughs> they, they said, so you got that extension? And he said, yeah, that's great or whatever. And then they said, you know, your GM also got it. He said, I did not know my GM got an extension, which I kind of felt like, okay, you either hate the press in LA already and you want to be snarky with them, or something isn't right in that relationship. Or both. Uh, or both. I, I don't... Other than the, the the Tavon Austin contract, I don't hate the way that St. Louis has constructed their roster. They tried to draft good offensive linemen. They just missed. I mean, I can't blame they them. They might for, not have even missed that much. Nothing gets coached up I there. I can't blame them for missing on Greg Robinson. Like, he seemed like he was going to be really awesome coming out of college. So, you know, you can't really hate on him too much. Drafting a left tackle second overall works out pretty good for most teams. And Greg Robinson was the premier guy in that draft. He's objectively terrible, but that's, I mean, that's, it is what it is. And then, you know, they, they have an awesome defensive line. Like, their defensive line is intimidating, and you can hide bad secondary players with a good defensive line. They've been doing it for years. And so, I mean, the team is constructed in such a way that I feel like they could be good, but they're just, they just need to get, like, a left tackle and a real quarterback. And it, it seems like they missed on that again, too. Like, Goff. Just seems horrible. If Andy Reid was coaching golf, he'd be fine. Yeah, but Andy Reid is like quarterback guru. Like he's he gets something out of every quarterback he's involved he does. with. But that's what I mean is like he got put in. I don't know what's the op. Well, what's the opposite of an Andy Reid situation? Having Jeff, Jeff Fisher, Fisher as your coach. Well, no, because Jeff Fisher doesn't isn't good at clock management, and that's the bizarro Andy Reid would be like <laughs> someone who can't do anything but is awesome at managing. Okay, the so clock so so Jeff Fisher with clock management. It's like me. I'm really who's good at a, time. Who's management. a terrible coach who has awesome clock management and timeout use? Is uh, that a Jeff Fisher with good clock management and timeout use? <laughs> yeah, maybe Jim Morrow was good at. Well, that. and awesome buried in the lead right there though, Kevin. You said if you know the football ma- maestro. Andy Reid had coached Jared Goff. Jared Goff would be fine. That is not a ringing endorsement. Matt Hasselbeck for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, for a rookie quarterback. For a rookie quarterback, yeah. All you're looking for is fine. He's he's uh, not that much worse than Carson Wentz. You want better? You want much (laughs) better than Blake Bortles or Blaine Gabbert? And 
okay if he's slightly worse than like Alex Smith. Like that's I, fine. That's I think the Rams at. would be seven and nine if they had Blake Bortles. Well, they somehow continue to defy no. logic and have Todd Gurley. <laughs> no, don't do this to me, where I have to tell you that Blake give you stats to tell you that Blake Bortles. is the I don't want you giving me any stats on Blake Bortles if How we're about, facing let's the have Jaguars. Stats. Can you give me the stats of the Jaguars who actually have Blake Bortles? What is the Jaguars' record? Because it's two, not seven and nine. Five. Yeah, but they, come on, they also they played they the Forty Niners twice. The same level 49, of talent. 49ers twice, man. It's a big, big difference. Uh, name quarterbacks with more than two hundred passes that are, have worse completion percentage than Bortles. Case Keenum, Andy Dalton. Uh, Case, know, Case Keenum is a doesn't is a no. Uh, what, what was the other one? Uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is that was a for you. no. Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford is a no. Oh, Cam Newton. Ooh. Cam Newton is one of three. The other two. I told are, you he's the other two are ob- The other two are obvious, but I think they, Colin Kaepernick. It's yeah, Kaepernick yeah. and Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Even Brock Osweiler has a better completions percentage than Blake Blake hey, Brock Osweiler soon to be a playoff. And I don't know if you know, but but, but uh, only one quarterback has more interceptions than Blake Bortles, and that's my boy Philip Rivers. Rest in peace. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I said Blake Bortles, I meant down by 30 fourth quarter Blake Bortles. <laughs> anyway, because we all know that he is he's he like a a the Richie yards. Sexton of quarterbacks. Yeah. He has a lot of yards and touchdowns, which means he's putting up garbage time stats. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Okay, uh, before before I spend 40 minutes just talking about the uniforms in this game, because that's coming. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we need we do need the one minute uniform breakdown. Though. Oh, you're yeah. gonna get it. Believe me. You can do that uh, right before picks. Is that uh, the plan? I might do it during the picks. I'm just. <laughs> it might overlap into movie time. We never know. Uh, let's talk about the Rams defense. We talked about their pass rush. How's their pass rush this year? Their pass rush. It's fine. It's fine. Actually, it's not. Okay. Because <laughs> I know it hasn't been. It hasn't. Twenty eighth in pressure rate. It used to be great. Their adjusted sack rate's not good. They're, yeah, but their run their run defense is awesome still, and that some of the credit has to go to the fact that they stuff runs behind. Their the run line defense is eleventh, fourth. They're in, I'm just I'm looking at it just open right there. Defensive DVOA? No, the the one that's just run. Their defensive line. Yeah, their defensive line. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we, weren't we just talking about their defensive line? But their overall run defense. They've stuffed more runs. Their defensive line has stuffed more runs behind the line than any other team in the league. Yeah, but they're 28th against power runs and they're 31st in open field. Yeah, well, open field tackling sucks when they're trying to hide all these bad secondaries exactly. behind this good defensive line. So all we need is Jermaine Effetti to bully the crap out of everyone on that side. And then Ask just someone run to bully it up their Aaron guts. Donald, Kevin, this is a dangerous game you play. This would be funny. Aaron Donald is good. Here's football. the thing. An angry Jermaine Effetti, either someone's going to die on the field or it could happen. I'll Sad. That's the, dark, Kevin. I like Effetti. I like him a lot. I think our interior He's a good. He's a dirt bag. Hey man, we haven't had one in a while, so it's uh, welcome. We have Breno Giacomini. What are you talking about? That was three He's years like ago. better Breno Giacomini. Three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Three years ago, Breno yeah. Giacomini. Unibrow. There R-A-B. he is. Okay. Uh, anything else we want to go over in this game, uh, stat wise? Thomas Rawls. Seattle's better. Is going to be <laughs> is going to be fine against stat-wise. this run defense. I think. I think this is uh, one stat wise, uh, Russell Wilson can take a big step back on the path this game. I'm. I don't want to see. I want to see turf Russell Wilson in this game, not grass Russell Wilson. This is a potentially annoying game because we need to win, but we also need to look good. So it's one of those, you know, if 
If yeah, we, if we if we squeak it, it out thirteen to yeah, ten, how good are you really gonna feel? No, not that good. Here's the thing: this defense. Okay, this defense ate the Rams for lunch. Yeah, with some health issues. So what we're really asking is, can the offense show up? And this offensive line at home has been better, and the overall offense has been better. The interior line's been pretty good. So I could see them holding them to a very similar point total. Um, the Rams to a very similar point total and scoring considerably more. Well, I think all of our questions come on what will Seattle's offense do because I am not worried about the defense agreed. shutting the Rams. That's down. honestly why I ask all the defensive questions because we have Russell Wilson in this game. We didn't last time we played. He played, but did he really? We didn't have Thomas Rawls. We didn't have Jimmy Graham. We didn't have Tyler Lockett. We didn't have Jermaine Effetti. We didn't have the offensive line gelling in a little bit that it has. LA allows big plays. <clears throat> That's a big worry for them. They're 20th versus the deep pass. They allow them to get over the top. They have issues to the outside for receivers, but they're pretty good over the middle. Um, our wide receivers should have a day. Okay. D- Doug Baldwin. The return of Doug Baldwin. That's what Baldwin you're saying. Baldwin should have a day. Lockett should have a day. Unlike Green Bay... Uh, St. Louis doesn't have the athletes. Kevin, are you saying yeah, St. Louis can't do it? And Lockett torched them last time, but due to some very questionable things that were happening, it didn't do anything. They can't put just put uh, a really good cornerback on Baldwin and and then you know shade him with a safety and say, "Hey, Baldwin, you're not going to beat us. You're not going to get anything in this game." Los Angeles doesn't have the personnel to do that. If they try to do that, they're going to get torched everywhere by Baldwin himself because because those guys are going to fail and by everyone else. Yeah. They have to. The way that the Rams can win this game is if they have to get a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson and like sack him and make him in, you know, hurt. And Russell Wilson can run now. He's shown that he did the he did the thing we've all been waiting for, which is things are collapsing. He escapes and runs for five yards. That is the quintessential like beyond the big zone read breakouts. It's that everything's going to hell. Quick shuffle out the side door, and pick up a couple of yards, that is the Russell Wilson play. Agreed. And he's doing it comfortably. Yeah, and he's not he's not Call him his own number. Haggard. Okay, uh, before we go to picks, let's talk about this here, uh, this color rush uniform thing that I'm really sick of. Oh, so you, you're, are you excited for uh, Ninja Turtles green versus mustard? Nathan sent a perfect <laughs> meme of this that was, to that the group. Kevin, Kevin. Kevin. Sorry, Ke- sorry, Kevin. Uh, didn't not give him the birthday boys do. The movie Elf, it's a holiday classic. It's wonderful. The main character, Buddy the Elf, played by very funny Will Ferrell. Imagine Buddy the Elf, if you will. If you don't haven't seen this movie, turn on f- Freeform. It's on right now, most likely. <laughs> yellow, bright yellow pants. Tights. Tights. <laughs> hey, but but they're giving away action green towels. Oh, of course. Right? Action green. Can you Actually, not call like action that. green? I like that towel. That Can towel's not... kind of awesome. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Up Thursday night, Eric. Action green. The Seattle green action. that we have. Head to... I'm sorry. Neck to ankle. <laughs> it's going to be awful. And you can, you can see this. Like, if there's an interception in this game by Russell Wilson... I'm going to go throttle him because there's no way you're going to miss the guy. He's in bright effing green. And we can't have throwbacks on Thursday nights. No, we have to have mustard yellow Jaguars versus bright baby blue Titans. We got to have the Christmas game of the Jets versus the Bills, red and green. Look at those uniforms. I kind of like them. How you dare you, Brett Hancock? <laughs> the pants are awful. Like, 
that at least cut at least cut this horrible green jersey with like some other color. Do anything. Yes. Or it's, I don't know. Give us the old throwbacks with the Seahawk not, that was happy not, getting his ass kicked. It's not called color cut cut with something better. It's called rush. I'm not getting a rush from this. Shit it's is, making me pass out. Yeah, it's shit making is me rushing sick. down your face. Yeah, I was gonna say he's, he's getting a rush, but it's like a it's make a, the a letters diary, white. Make, I'm sorry, make the numbers white. That make would look the, even worse. How dare you? At least they put piping on the letters. Some of the color rush uniforms they didn't even do that, and it, no. it looks so bad. They look awful. You know, Brett, for this these opinion, look like the created team uniforms that an 11 year old made. <laughs> this is accurate, Brett. How dare you? You know, I'm going to go back in time and erase every moment of the podcast you were on this week. <laughs> that shouldn't take long. And for you're this not year. you're not even going to remember being on the podcast all <laughs> hey, week. Hey, did you see the Rams are going to wear uh, white, hor- white horns on their helmet for color rush though? With the with the putrid yellow, that's sacrilege. That even makes sense. That's sacrilege. That those were the cool Rams. What? I know. I was going to say these wearing? are these, the blue and white. The blue Rams. and white helmet is really cool. Those but are the, hideous. The Rams are wearing this this the blue and white like, helmet. Is super golden rod yellow. The but blue they're wearing this. This is the color of the actual uniform. Oh, wow, that's horrible. Here's Kayvon Austin wearing looking like a, oh. a regular Colonel Mustard. Is that? Did the ref did the ref throw a flag or did someone lose their gloves? No, no, dude. The Cal Golden Bears just became an NFL team. Oh yeah. my gosh! That's, no, uh, Cal wouldn't run out that ugly of a uniform. They cut it with the dark blue pants. Those are so ugly. Yeah. Oh, I was just if this had a dark blue pant with a with a blue stripe, it on would it, be Cal's or, actual I mean, uniform. Stripe, it'd That'd be, be cool. It'd be good. I'd be down with that. That's actually my it's favorite. The same color. With ours. Oh my gosh! It's, it's the Oregon Ducks playing the Cal Bears. <laughs> if, if this had, is no. <laughs> when did this happen? Kevin's if we had seen a blue pant, if we had a blue pant with a green stripe on it, our color rush uniforms would be great too. But that's that's what these. Uh, color rush uniforms are. They're all they're made to hurt your eyes. Garbage. Yes, on if football have, tackles. If you have 3D television, turn it off for your own good. Yeah, it's going to look like Buddy the Elf on your TV, but without the Christmas joy. It's going to be awful. Gentlemen, let's go to picks. I can't talk about this anymore. I want throwbacks. That's all, all right. I'm going to say. Brett, you need to go first because you're back. Yeah. And uh, just like McRib, you are back. <laughs> <laughs> time. Uh, you are the McRib of the Seahawks Nest podcast. Oh, That's thanks, right. Man. You are. You show uh, up once every four years. Now, and you're kind of speak slowly so I can do my Brett impersonation as you talk. Much like yeah. McDonald's food, I never change. I'm exactly as you remember. Yeah, but Mod- you keep changing the wrapper, and that kind of pisses me off. Sa- moderately satisfying. Uh, 38 to 3, Seattle Seahawks. I uh, like, uh, like uh, 62 to uh, 62 to 2. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, I got Seahawks. They come out. They score twenty four quick ones. They take the foot off the gas. They win thirty five to ten. I have a very satisfying piggybacking on Kevin's somewhat. I don't know if you really made this prediction of that the Rams will score what the Rams scored last game thirty eight to nine. I had my fully rational twenty eight ten based on Vegas numbers, but. I don't think this is a rational game. I think, like I said, blood in the water. I think 28-10 is what the offense would do. But this defense, this defense is going to make something else happen. I'm going 37-10. to 10. All right. We're it's all, one point different than... I was I wasn't paying attention. Oh yeah, I was gonna say we're we're close. I have I have thirty eight okay. nine. So. I, I was hoping someone would pick a shutout just because oh, it'd geez, be great it looks to like shut I picked the out. lowest. It looks like I picked the lowest score. So that's fitting. So do I get to do an impression of each one of you? Uh, so I'm sixty two to one. Can you can can you score one? Yeah, you can actually. <laughs> No, you can't. <laughs> no, it's a, you can score he two. got he got just you get he got just an extra point. If you return back an extra point, it's worth two, two points. 
Oh, okay. okay. It, that's a that's a that's the two point reversion, as Bill Simmons likes to say, which is the worst thing to say for it. Quick, but, Brett, you should tweet that out so everyone corrects you, and we get lots more action on Twitter. Yeah, you should. Yeah, people love correcting people on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you should follow us there, and also you should donate to our Patreon. Many great Patreon subscriber exclusives, uh, including me making a video every week. Or every three weeks, depending. <laughs> I got super busy over Thanksgiving break, and I feel bad. I have this Earl Thomas breakdown that I have it all written down, and I just like haven't been able to sit down and make the video, but it's coming. And uh, you know what? I'll have lots of free time like in George three Washington, days. It's coming in three days. I'll have all the free time because it'll be Christmas break, and I'm a teacher. <laughs> so <laughs> so expect a lot more content over Christmas break, including our Patreon exclusive Christmas special, where we discuss our favorite Christmas movies, including Lethal Weapon. Die Hard, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Gremlins, and all the other Christmas movies that aren't actually about Christmas. Uh, we will also discuss our favorite oddball Christmas traditions. Yeah. Mm. We got, and uh, what we think that each Seahawks player needs under the Christmas tree to make this to the Super Bowl this season. By may, the way, Bradley Sowell, new team. We may, uh, we may <laughs> even go crazy with a Kevin and Eric top five Christmas specials. Yeah, because we're all about the cartoons. They love the cartoon Christmas specials. I might just have to moderate that debate to make sure no one dies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you know, it, it wait, 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 Nathan. What? You know, it's my birthday, and I have to do something here. Yeah. I have to do something for the greater good. Oh, he's taking over. He's going to hit me. He hit me with a chair when you guys weren't looking. That's and right. He, 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 he totally turned face. We're taking Cause I, over. Because I'm the heel and Kevin's the face now because it's his birthday. That's right. For the greater good, I am taking over the Seahawks Nest Movie Club. I already know it's coming too. And based on that exact line, I imagine you do. Because there's only one movie where everything is done for the greater good. Yeah. That's... And that movie is... Hot fuzz. And if, and if podcast oh, listeners would remember, they said, you, I, I actually said before a Halloween episode that you might think I'm about to pick Shaun of the Dead, but I'm not. Because if I did an Edgar Wright movie, I would definitely do Hot Fuzz first. Kevin. And it's because it's one of, Kevin, it's one of my favorite, five favorite movies that came out in the last 10 Kevin years. Kevin knows the way to my heart so, is all I'm saying. Hot Fuzz is a great movie. So. And it's a great movie for every reason ever. And I don't know how spoilery we're going to get here. Let's get spoilery. Let's, just let's get deep. spoilery. Okay. So, if you like horror movies, this is a good movie. If you like comedies, it's a great comedy. Action. Uh, Lots of action. If Nathan, you like firing two guns whilst jumping. <laughs> yes. Nathan, uh, you have some, you have a mustache. I know. Okay. There's two lines, there's two lines in this movie that just kill, slay me every time. When he goes, you have a mustache, cause the guy has like beer all up in his mustache, and the guy just looks right at him and super serious, just goes, I know. I know. Okay. And then the other one, where he goes, Hey, hey, Angel, if you want to be a big man in a little town, why don't you go fuck off to the model village? <laughs> For some reason, he says that. Just every time, I'm just like, oh, man, that's so funny. Oh, man. Or there's the uh, the creepy guy who runs the guy. Uh, who runs the store in the town? Who makes bad puns after every time yeah. someone dies? Oh. oh yeah, and he's like, a, and he's always talking about how he's a slasher of prices. Yes, it's so it's so painfully awkward. Or my favorite little running gag that's very subtle, and you miss it the first time you watch it. Every time I Angel walks into the convenience store. Someone's making a lewd comment about him over yes. the Citizen Band radio. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I don't know if I've noticed that. About that Sergeant Angel, take a look at his arse. <laughs> it's, like, it's, so it's so good. The thing about this movie is it was kind of, you know, it was the follow up to Shaun of the Dead. 
And right, so that so it's a tr- it's part of a trilogy actually. It's the yes. middle. It's the Empire Strikes Back of the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, also the, uh, the best of that trilogy. The third is the uh, the World's End. Is that yeah, am I correct I would, in that title? I love the World's End. I think it's very underrated, but we can talk about that another time. Honestly, it's oh it, we will similar to the World's End. It's it's a different kind of movie. Like it was kind of marketed as this making fun of action movies and you know to you know jumping through the air spraying gunfire and it's very much that movie at, at but, its I mean, core so let's do the quick breakdown movie, there's so, so much more oh, to this and movie the gore is so gory it's so much more to this movie though. but but okay so here's a quick breakdown basically we have super cop in london is making everyone on the force look bad because he just takes his job too seriously he's too good at it so they give him promotion by exile shipping yeah. him off to like oh dunk tuck it in the village. Yeah. <laughs> the best part is at the beginning too. At that beginning scene where he goes, yeah, but what is the team gonna say about this? And then he, come, he comes out of the, <laughs> the room and they're all like, good luck in the. They have a cake village, and a good luck banner. Out, so. <laughs> and he goes to tell his uh, uh, he goes to tell his girlfriend, and it turns out his girlfriend was gonna break up with him anyway. And she's like, oh, it's good for you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just, but the, but the best part of that scene, too, is he starts talking to someone that he thinks is his girlfriend because they're all in, like, these hazmat suits because yes. they're investigating a crime scene. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, I'm Tom. You're Janet's over there. And he's like, oh, okay. It's, like, <laughs> it's, like, dude. it's so funny. And they, they actually play that joke, like, three times in that scene. This this movie just, it's joke after joke, but it doesn't feel forced. It's just very funny. Uh, another thing I like about this movie is that they, uh, if you watch it on TV, it's still really funny, even though they cut out all the swears. And it's a hard R. Like, this movie's rated R. Yeah, and, and it, it uses its R well. But, they, but the, when they show it on TV... So what they did is they made the swearing just like nonsensical. Yes. So instead of like making it so like there's one point in the movie where he's like, Jesus Christ. And then he changed it to peas and rice, which is like just <laughs> a, such a stupid thing to do. Yeah, it's like the, th- the third grade thing to say when your mom says, don't you dare say that. You're like, well, I'm going to change it to peas and rice. Fudge. Yeah. Oh, fudge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's, so they just went like crazy with it. Yeah. So then he goes to the village and there's just a bunch of weird murders and he slowly like start. He thinks he's losing his mind, but it turns out that there's a, something more sinister yeah, There's a conspiracy afoot. If you haven't seen this movie, I think that's as far as we should go for those that have not seen it. But there, it's a, it's, it's very fun movie. Oh, it's so funny. And there's so many jumps that it takes, but it all ties itself back together. Like as a suspense action movie, yeah. the plot completely works. And when you go back and restructure everything, you're going, oh man. This was very well crafted. Yeah, and it's like it could have just been like this schlocky joke they put together. But even as a pure suspense movie, I mean, it's it's lethal, well done. It's Lethal Weapon in a village in outside of. That's right. It's in, a buddy cop movie it's too. A buddy That's cop. even really it's, good. It's Lethal Weapon set in like rural England at the end of the day. Yes, like, that's what it is. And they do the thing that's cool is that they pay homage to like all these really good action movies, like Point Break, Super Cop, Bad Boys Two, like they. They like have like little action sequences where if you've seen those movies and like dorked out about action movies, you could be like, "Oh, that's just like in that movie where they did that," you know. Well, and one of the, the characters is doing that. Thing. <laughs> have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping? Have you ever fired one gun? Movie just like in Bad Boys. Have you ever fired two guns? <laughs> have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? <laughs> and did you, did, when you when you did it, did you say? Did you say? Uh, time to, to chill, chill out. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, time to be have you ever in a fit of frustration turned on your back and fired off the rest of your shots into the air? <laughs> it's, there's so many good, so many good things. Uh, oh, it's just, it's on point. It's excellent. 
This uh, is a lovely movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really it's really awesome. I uh, I quite enjoy it. They have Eric or Brett anything to chime back to the other two movies in the trilogy where the, they they eat cornettos, which is a thing in all the trilogies. Uh, there's always a scene in the movies where people are trying to jump over fences. Uh, <laughs> the one in this movie is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so th- that's really funny. It was not fair to bring that up when I had a drink of water. Uh, and then uh, there there there's a Stephen Merchant cameo that I would be remiss if I did not oh. mention. Uh, the Stephen Merchant cameo in this movie. There's a point where like they're all messing with him. Don't look at this. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, this is pri- <laughs> private information. Uh, so this there's a Stephen Merchant cam- cameo in the movie where. They're all trying to mess with him. They're playing pranks on Angel because he's the new sergeant. He's like really uptight, you know. So they're like, they're like, yeah, it's a call from Peter Ian Staker, piss taker. <laughs> he's like, it's all mad. And then he's like, then he shows him the next scene. He's talking to Steve Merchant. He's like, yes, Mister Staker, uh, you lost your swan. And then the swan <laughs> is like a running gag for the rest of the movie, where yes. this swan just keeps coming up. Do you like when they find the World War II era sea mine in the barn? Yeah, who do you, have to, <laughs> do you have a license for that gun? Yeah, for this one. <laughs> they go what into, do you mean for this one? And then you go into the bar and there's just like a full arsenal of guns okay. to bring back to the station. Where'd you get these from? Yeah, it says he found them. There's a running gag in this one too where there's like one guy who, there's people that just, they there's talk a guy on the police force. Say. Yeah. And there's a guy on the force who could translate it back <laughs> to like normal English language. Yeah. Yeah. It I don't from like super English to like, regular english i don't have anything more to add i mean you guys kind of hit all the great spots in the movie but it's like there's so much more though i mean we didn't like get her right in these movies monkey or yarp or like yarp. any of these oh. jokes that are so yarp <laughs> jokes are so good it's just they're they're done they're silly and they're crazy but they're really well written the great are good and it's so yeah and it's so it's intellectual <laughs> comedy at a very low brow level. I There's so I mean, many running gags, and I love running gags so much. Edgar Wright is so great, and I mean, if you are not familiar with his work, you know, or you're not sure which one, I mean, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, he wrote uh, Ant-Man before they kicked him off the movie, and I'm, I'm going to say, like, every part of that movie that was, like, funny and clever was probably stuff they, <laughs> they mined from Edgar Wright's the, version of the script. The scene where uh, they're fighting in a briefcase, and the villain yells, I'm going to disintegrate you. And Siri says, playing the cure, disintegration. That was 100%. Right. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I know it. That was the only part in the movie that I was like, oh, he definitely wrote that part. Yeah, uh, Edgar Wright, he's a winner. And this, well, all these movies are great in the trilogy. Wait, wait. You didn't feel his writing every time they had uh, Michael Pena do one of those like dialogues? You didn't feel like, man, this is so Edgar Wright. Honestly, it just felt like Michael Pena. Because it's my, Michael Pena's... He's a great comedic actor. He's a great serious actor. and But, I mean, that man, just felt great. like something Edgar Wright would make a running joke. Like, I this can... guy's going to tell these stories, and they're going to be, like, so in-depth. And the way he's going to tell them, like... The yeah, and they're going to they're gonna end very anticlimactically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, what would you say? I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ant-Man. I think it's the most underrated Marvel movie. Yeah, it, it, that's because it's all Marvel fun. movies are action movies trying to be comedies when they shouldn't be. And Ant Man was a comedy trying to put some action into and it. Guardians. And it was beautiful. It was like yes, Guardians for the same reason. Guardians. I mean, yeah. uh, let's be honest. Like, it was a heist movie, and heist yes, movies are great. Totally, all the way. Like, it's like the way Ant Man's like assembling his crew, and then they have to go into the building and capture. And everyone has a different job to do during the the thing. It's like a heist. Also, I'll just say this for Ant Man. It was great to see Michael Douglas back. 
and oh, yeah. actually in an acting role. Well, and I'll say this for heist movies. Uh, I'm glad that knowing Nathan will be doing Ocean's Eleven at some point. Because uh, that no, movie... we'll be doing Ocean's Thirteen because Ocean's Eleven everyone loves. Ocean's Thirteen is the underrated one of the trilogy. I think those movies in general get bagged on, and I don't think that's fair. Ocean's Twelve is is, is an eminently watchable movie. It's fine. People who say it's terrible, they're like, I'm like, what are you, what are you looking for? Like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it is not, exactly what it is. It's not as good as Ocean's Eleven. And it's not as good as Ocean's Thirteen. I never saw Thirteen. I will see it before. I will. See, I'll try and see oh, it in the next couple in, weeks. In Thirteen, they have this gag, running gag, where uh, I don't, I don't want to go too deep on this, but Matt Damon has this nose. This like fake prosthetic nose, and he's like, the nose is gonna play. The when nose- we do our Seahawks, <laughs> when we do our Seahawks movie binge, I have the box set of eleven. Here's, I, here's, I'll just say with twelve, I didn't hate it, but the idea that, and I, we've argued about this a little before, when Julia Roberts is going to, Julia Roberts' character is going to pretend to be Julia Roberts, I just felt like that was a little too much. It's a, it's a, it's cringy. Yeah. It's cringy when they're like, uh, does she kind of look like it? They should have just been like, man, you're a dead ringer for Julia Roberts. Let's do this. It would have been way more believable because it actually is Julia Roberts. So yeah, um, that was a little too meta. The uh, this Ocean's Eight movie could be really good too. Just, yes. uh, just not to go off, but I is that really coming it. out? It, is, is it a prequel? No, it's uh, it's the, it's like an all it's an all like ladies. Yeah, it's uh, an Ocean's eight person crew. Um, but the thing is, it doesn't feel like what they did with uh. The Ghostbusters, which I actually didn't mind that Ghostbusters movie. I thought it was fine. There's nothing wrong with that Ghostbusters movie. I thought that movie. movie was bad for the reasons that no one talked about. Like, it wasn't bad because females were in it. It wasn't bad because it was a remake. It was bad because it should have been rated R. And like it, and because it. the plot completely fell apart at the end. They PGized a movie. Like yes. watch, That's, that's a watch, quick way to fail. Watch, like, Melissa McCarthy and Paul Feig comedies and then, like, Spy. Watch Spy and then be like, this is great. It, it, I really... I really wish they would have made Ghostbusters rated R. We've gone way off of. Uh, we've, we've gone. We've, we've gone, gone way over off. time and off subject. Yeah, we're off grid. So let's. And Brett. Say. Brett's not even talking. What's I, going on? Kevin pretty much stole what I wanted to say when he was like, "These are some of my favorite." Or like, Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies from the last uh, ten years or so. All three of those movies are stellar beyond belief. That's all I have. To yeah, add. me and Brett. Oh, yeah. and Brett I haven't watched... seen Ant Man or Ocean's Thirteen or Twelve. So there you go. Me and Brett watched <laughs> uh, watched all three of the Cornetto trilogy in a theater all at once, and that I'll was tell super you, fun. it does prove that you can get tired of laughing because by the time <laughs> we got to the world's end, like I hadn't even seen it yet, and I was like already kind of laughed out. I was like, man, I'm just exhausted. Were you just You're sitting smiling through the movie? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll say this. The first time I watched The World's End, I was like, I walked out of the theater and I was like, this is the worst of the three. And, yeah. then, and then I watched it again later and I was like, this might be the best of the three. Like, I, I don't know. I need to watch it one more time to kind of calibrate because I've probably seen Hot Fuzz 70 times, I would guess. It's the movie I put on when I'm grading. That's like the okay. first one I always went yeah. to. Yeah, wow. it is free on Amazon Prime for those of you who yeah, want to go see it. And it's worth it, every When it got taken watch. off Netflix, I stopped watching it as much because it got taken off Netflix pretty recently. Like a year ago, maybe, and uh, I didn't know it was on Amazon Prime, so I'll probably go back to it again. I've yeah. seen Hot Fuzz like five times. Shaun of the Dead is the one I yes, watch over and over. Same. I've seen Shaun of the Dead probably ten, fifteen times. I enjoy I Hot Fuzz to... more than Shaun of the Dead. I have to get I have to get Shaun of the Dead out of the DVDs to watch it for one and two. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I do find Hot Fuzz is more in my wheelhouse because it's it's parodying a style of movie that I love the most. I love action mo- action movies so much, so it's it cracks me up. Most. That's yeah. why I like Shaun of the Dead more because because you're a zombie guy. Yeah, all of those movies, I'm like, oh yeah, I like those. I'm what's, gonna watch one of those as well. So, yeah. What's the mark of a great parody? The mark what? of a great parody is to be good a good movie yeah. of that genre that is then poking fun at itself. Yeah, that's what those movies do. Yep. I mean, at the end of the movie, 
Yeah, boy. All right, you guys gotta see it. If you haven't seen it, yet, <laughs> email us about what how much you enjoyed this movie after you watch it. I love when he's revving the engine on the car as the <laughs> that's not even yeah. yeah on like a three cylinder like Daewoo. It's so good. Yeah. All right, well, Eric, take us home. All right, uh, for executive producer Carrie Santo in the room, executive producer Brad Hancock, mm-hmm. for Kevin Garber, for producer Nathan. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. Thursday night foosball on maybe NBC, maybe just NFL Network. Twitter. It's, it's on NBC. The Saturday game is on the NFL Network. It's on oh. Twitter. Yeah, you can watch the game on Twitter. Yeah, wow. You can watch the game live on Twitter. It works way better than it has Wait, wait. You can watch yes. the game on Twitter? It actually yeah. works really good. Mass- even, like, Mass- even like the Twitter mobile app, it's sweet. Like It takes about like half the screen, and then, it'll, and then it does the feed. Unfortunately, Eric doesn't know how to use Twitter. During the game, tweet us, won't you? There you go. Thank you for that. Yeah, Thursday Night Football. I'm your host, Eric Ronbeck. Go Hawks. Thank you.